Well, today as we begin this season of Advent and this new sermon series we're going to be in leading up to Christmas called The Advent Conspiracy, I want to invite you to kind of step back in time to that very first Christmas and to try to put yourself in the scenes that were going on during that time. And now some of you have heard this story many, many times before. Others of you, maybe this is the first time you've heard it. And so maybe you want to close your eyes and kind of think about the sights, the sounds, the smells that might have been going on. Uh, Or ask God to give you a new detail as we read uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 together. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is one of those classic passages that every year during this season we come back to again and again. And this year as I've been reflecting on the passage and thinking about Christmas and the story that Luke gives us in Luke chapter 2, I begin thinking about one specific thing. And that is that I noticed in reading this passage and and the other stuff around Jesus' birth is that that very first Christmas most people missed the significance of what was going on. I want you to think about that. That very first Christmas, most people missed the huge thing that was happening in their midst. I mean, you think about Caesar Augustus, one of the most powerful people in the world at the time. He had no idea that the true king of the world was being born in Bethlehem that night. 
Or you have Quirinius, the governor of Syria, another powerful person. He had no idea what was going on. He didn't know the significance. And then you have the hundreds and hundreds of people who were milling around Bethlehem. I mean, just think about this. It was a government-mandated census. Do you think they were glad to be there? No. They were milling around. They were like, why do we have to be here? We got to do this again. I mean, they would have been ecstatic to meet the Savior of the world and had the Savior stay in their household. And yet, none of them had an extra room for the little baby Jesus. And so he was born in a manger because there was no room for him elsewhere. All those people missed it. And then, if you think about it, you have all the religious scholars. These scholars who had studied the prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of this king, this Messiah that was going to come and restore Israel, restore God's people with him, who was going to make everything right. They had been looking forward to this. They had been reading the prophecies. And then when Jesus finally came in Bethlehem like it was prophesied, They missed it. Most people that very first Christmas missed the significance of what was going on. And sometimes when when I've been thinking about that, I've been tempted to kind of get down on them or think, how how could y'all miss this huge event? I, I think, you know what, maybe we shouldn't judge them so quickly because even in our culture now, 2,000 years later, when we know the significance of Christmas, we know who this baby would grow up to be and what he would do for us. We know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And yet, even in all of our Christmas celebrations, it's still easy to miss the significance of what really happened that very first Christmas. And now around the world, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, Christmas is celebrated more than it ever has been in world history. More people now celebrate Christmas than ever before. I mean, it wasn't like 300 years ago, everybody had a little tree in their living room. That's a relatively recent thing. It's not like everybody shopped and bought gifts for one another 400 years ago, but now everybody's celebrating Christmas. Christmas is a huge part of our culture. And one of the things I like to do around this time of the year is is to look and see when stores first put out Christmas items. And uh, usually, it's around Halloween, right? Which some people, I learned a new phrase this week. It's called Hallow-thankmas. Anybody ever heard that before? I was, re- I was like, what is that? And it was somebody, and they were saying, oh, no, that's the season we're in. It's where Halloween blends into Thanksgiving and blends into Christmas. And now the stores just put out everything at once. And, and, and guess what? The stores, they love Christmas in our modern celebrations. They love it because according to the National Retail Federation, now on the average, an American plans to spend $1,047 per person during this season. Over $600 on gifts, over $200 on food, greeting cards, decorations. And then you know there's that other money where in January you're just like, what happened? I don't even know where that money went. But there's all these little things here and there. During the Christmas season, over $30 billion will be spent on gifts. But it's not, it's not just the, the, the retailers and that we're drawn to all that during this season. It's also even now in the most secular of workplaces, there are Christmas parties. There's holiday parties, there are family gatherings, and, and our schedules during the season where, you know, it used to be people kind of hibernated in the winter and kind of shut down and slowed down. Now, everything just speeds up. 
and our schedules get packed and we run from one pageant to the next, from one work event to the next, from one party to the next. We're just moving around so quickly that all of our time gets sucked in different directions at Christmas. And then as we're spending energy trying to figure out, okay, did I get them the right gift? Did I get them enough gifts? Did I make it to this event? Do, do I, how do I manage my family and my finances and all of this? It's easy for us to actually miss Christ Christ in the midst of our Christmas celebrations. It's easy for us to miss Christ in the midst of our Christmas celebrations. And I remember feeling this the most when I was in school. And I was in school for many years, high school, college, graduate school. And when I was in school, this Advent season leading up to Christmas, it always meant one thing for me. Exams. Anybody in here have to take exams? Okay, any of you? Yes, God bless you. We're going to be praying for you. For so much of my life, this season meant exam season. And so I'd be staying late after school trying to figure out the stuff I didn't know how to do. I would be in the library all night long. I would be studying constantly trying to make sure I got the grades I wanted to. And I remember I would just push and push and push. Then I would take the exam. Then I would run home to Conyers. And my family, part of our tradition was the 7 o'clock p.m. Christmas Eve service at Conyers First Methodist Church. And I would go there. And in the midst of the singing and the worshiping and the candle lighting and all of that, I remember thinking, you know what I need more than singing and hearing this story from Luke over again? You know what I need more than all that right now? Sleep. sleep. I remember thinking, I just need to sleep. I just need to rest, and, and that's what Christmas was for many years for me. I mean, it, it'd come home, I would just sleep right before Christmas, I would sleep on Christmas after the big meal, I would sleep the days after Christmas, and then guess what? i go back to school and just do it all again. And I remember many years just kind of stumbling into Christmas, feeling so tired and feeling so exhausted, and a lot of years just feeling like I kind of I missed it. And I just want to begin our season together this morning by saying, I, I don't want to do that this year. And I don't want any of you to do that this year. And, and I don't think that you want to do that this year either. I want all of us to experience the fullness of Christmas the true significance of what happened that very first Christmas. I want all of us to experience the wonder, the joy, the hope, the peace, the love that comes with Jesus Christ. And if we're going to do that this year, then I think it might be good to kind of step back in time and to look back at that very first Christmas because while most people miss the significance of what was going on, there was a cast of characters who knew exactly what was going on. And they didn't miss the significance of what was happening. And I think if we look back to them and how they responded and how their lives were changed that very first Christmas, it might give us some help as we try to celebrate Christmas differently as well and keep Jesus at the center of all of our celebrations. And so when you look back to that very first Christmas and all of the, the Christmas stories, I mean, there's one character in it who we know did not miss that very first Christmas and who knew exactly what was going on. And that's Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus 
without the miracle of modern medicine, okay? She knew what was going on. It was not a silent night. And you know, I love, I love the song, Mary, Did You Know? Y'all like that song? Mary, yeah. Guess what? She knew. She knew exactly what was happening. Because an angel came to her and told her and said, Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. You're going to conceive a child and he's going to be called the Son of God. She didn't miss what was going on. And how did she respond to this great calling? We read in Luke chapter 1 that she sang. She sang praises to God. In Luke chapter 1, it's commonly called the Magnificat. She sang praises to God, recognizing that God's one and only Son was going to turn things in our world upside down. He was going to end injustice. He was going to make things right. Mary sang that very first Christmas. But then you have her husband, who she was engaged to at the time, Joseph. Joseph, he didn't miss what was going on that first Christmas because it was kind of dramatic for him. But he knew what was going on because an angel came to him and told him, Hey, Mary's going to give birth to a son and you shall call him Jesus because he's going to save people from their sins. And Jesus is a name that means God saves. And in the midst of this very first Christmas, Joseph held that baby in his hands. And then a little while later, he took him to to have a proper naming. And he responded to the birth of Jesus by being obedient to God and naming him just what had been told him. You have Joseph, but then you you look in Luke chapter 2, you also have the angels. The angels, they knew what was going on. All of heaven knew what was going on. And how did all of heaven respond? Responded by rejoicing by singing glory to God in the highest and may there be peace on earth upon those whom his favor rests the angels sang and praised God for this miracle of Christmas and then they went and they told shepherds and the shepherds they went and they encountered the baby Jesus that very first Christmas. They saw the significance of what was happening that a savior had been born in Bethlehem to save people from their sins. And how did they respond? They went and they told other people. They praised God and they celebrated and they shared the good news. But then even after this in Luke chapter 2 as you continue reading, there were others who didn't miss the significance of that first Christmas. There was a man named Simeon. Simeon, we read about, was was in the temple area. And when he saw the baby Jesus and held the baby, he said this, I can die in peace now, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And after Simeon encounters Jesus, there's a woman named Anna who had been praying, fasting, and worshiping. And when she saw Jesus, she gave praise to God. And then, a few years later, you have the Magi. They heard about this baby. They traveled a long way. They encountered him. And then Matthew tells us this, that on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. At the very first Christmas, there were some people who didn't miss it. And they all responded in pretty much the same way. They all responded by worshiping. 
They all responded by worshiping. And now worship is a word that we use in our churches, but you don't often hear it out in the world. But worship is a word that simply means to ascribe or to give worth or great value to someone or something. And so what we see that very first Christmas for these people who realized what was going on, they worshiped Jesus in their own way. They, they said, look, you are highly valued. You are treasured, God, and your son, Jesus Christ. And they worshiped through praying, through praising, through singing, by being obedient, by, by dancing in so many other ways. People worshiped Jesus that very first Christmas. And as they worshiped him, that day changed forever for them. That day changed, the days surrounding Christmas changed for them. And ultimately, as they encountered Jesus and worshiped him, their entire lives were transformed as well. And I think that if our Christmases are going to be transformed this year, if they're going to be any different, we have to make sure Jesus Christ is front and center of our celebrations. And I think we're called to respond in that same way by worshiping him with all that we have and all that we are. And I believe that when we do that, then everything will begin to change for us. Because you see, every year at Christmas, in our celebrations, it's like God comes to us again. And he says to each of us, I love you. I love you so much that I sent my son Jesus Christ into this world for you to save you from your sins, to forgive you and to give you new life. And now God knows that this year we haven't done anything to deserve that. He knows that we haven't earned it, but every year God comes to us once again and he says, look, this is a gift for you. And every year, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to respond to that gift either by receiving it and worshiping him or by kind of ignoring it and rejecting it and going and worshiping someone or something else. Because I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but, but when it comes to worship, it's not a question of whether we're going to worship or not. Because all of us worship something or someone. All of us have things in our life that we highly value and highly treasure and put above everything else. The question for us at Christmas is, are we going to worship Jesus Christ, who's worthy of our worship, or are we going to worship lesser things? And the series is called The Advent Conspiracy. And one of the things, and you know this, is that the world is conspiring. The world is plotting, planning, and working strategically to get you to worship anything and anyone other than God and His Son, Jesus Christ. The world would rather you spend money endlessly this season than worship Jesus, our Savior. The world would rather you run from one holiday event to the next to be stressed out and tired than to slow down and actually reflect on the significance of Jesus and his birth. 
The world would rather us waste all of our energy trying to manage dysfunctional families and our dysfunctional finances than it would for us to actually put a focus on Jesus Christ. And that's why we're doing this series because while the world is conspiring in one direction, we need to conspire, we need to plot, we need to work together to move in a different direction if we're gonna actually keep Jesus at the center of our Christmases. And so that's what we're going to be doing in this series. We're going to be looking each week like we are this week at how to keep Jesus front and center because Christmas begins with Jesus and ends with Jesus. And and this morning, as kind of some practical application about how do we do this, I want you to think about what all goes into hosting a huge Christmas celebration. Does anybody in here host Christmas for your family. Anybody in here hosts like everybody in your family? Raise your hand. Okay, God bless y'all. Anybody in here grateful that you do not have to host your family at Christmas and that you can go to Cracker Barrel or, or, or just show up or just show up and not cook anything? We kind of know what goes into Christmas celebrations, especially if you have them. And I mean, one of the things, if you're gonna host everybody at Christmas, one of the things you have to do is you have to pull out all the decorations, right? You gotta pull out all the decorations. We did that last week at the church. You gotta pull out all the decorations, those things that point you to the significance and the season that you're in. And that that takes a lot of work. Most people are kind of doing that this week, pulling out all the decorations. But then after you pull out all the decorations, then if your house is like anything, anything like mine or like mine growing up, you have to also put away all of the clutter, Right, you gotta you gotta clean up your house. You gotta make it looking good for family. You gotta clean like the base of the toilets. And if you're lucky, you have an extra. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you're lucky, you have an extra room at your house. We did before we had a nursery where you can just throw everything in there and shut the door. Right, it's really nice to have that kind of room, but you have to declutter. You gotta push all that stuff to the side, get rid of it to prepare for people. And then when the day finally comes, you have to be ready to receive people and welcome them into your home. It takes a lot of preparation. And actually, if we're gonna have Christmas celebrations that center on Jesus Christ, it takes preparation on our part as well. And that's why the church in all of its wisdom has formed the season of Advent where it's a season of four weeks where we prepare for Christmas because we don't want to just stumble into it. We don't want to just go from Halloween and then Christmas the next day. We need to prepare our hearts. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to prepare as a church to receive Jesus into our midst once again and to celebrate him. And so for those preparations... One of the things we have to do if we want to keep Jesus at the center is, is to, to pull out the decorations. And now, sometimes this is literal. Literal decorations can help point us to Jesus. There's things like nativity scenes, advent wreaths. Some of you have them and celebrate them in your own home. There's advent calendars that help us look with anticipation to the day of Jesus' arrival. So sometimes the, the decorations that we pull out that point us to the reason for the season are literal, but a lot of times they're kind of figurative. There are things that we can pull out during this season that we can engage that will help us focus on Jesus. There's things like Advent devotionals. I mean, if you feel like this year you've kind of gotten off track, today, December 1st, is an awesome day to begin something new. 
There's a lot of Advent devotionals online for free, or if you want to be, be very simple, you can just start reading through the Gospel of Luke. One chapter a day, and then you'll be done by Christmas, and you'll have your heart a little more prepared. There's ways you can, you can pull out the decorations to point you to Jesus, like serving, serving at Return to Bethlehem, or serving the community during this time of the year. Jesus said that whenever you serve the least of these you serve others, you're actually serving him. And so that's a way to encounter him during this season. And another way, and you're already doing it this morning, is to make worship a priority during this season. Because when we gather for worship, we put the focus on Jesus. And, and during the week, we're getting pulled in all the different directions. But on Sundays, we're reoriented back to him. So we need to kind of pull out the metaphorical decorations, but then also during this season, I think it's a good season to kind of declutter our lives. Because during the year, we just start filling our lives and filling our hearts with all sorts of stuff. And what happens a lot of times on Christmas is that our hands are so full, our hearts are so full, that Jesus just kind of is at the fringes of everything getting pushed out by everything else. And so maybe during this season, you need to do some spiritual decluttering to take an inventory of your life and to maybe do some confession about how priorities have gotten out of line. Maybe you need to ask God to renew you, to cleanse you, to change you from the inside out. Maybe during this season, you need to declutter your schedule and don't be afraid to just say no to different events and to different things going on because sometimes we just need an evening or a weekend to rest and to really reflect on Jesus. And if we're running around, we can't always do that. Or like we talked about two weeks ago, maybe you need to unplug from technology a little bit and just kind of declutter your mind and your soul from, from everything going on so that you can be reoriented. And the series that we're in, Advent Conspiracy, it's actually largely based on a book that a group of pastors wrote over a decade ago. When they looked at their own personal celebrations of Christmas and people in their churches, they said, look, we, we've gotten off track and we need to get back on track. So they, they wrote this book, which has the focuses each week, like this week is Worship Fully. And I love what they say in there, this one quote, they say that each step toward an overstuffed schedule and an overextended budget is one step away from the nativity. So don't be afraid to declutter, to say no to some things, to push some things aside so Jesus Christ can be at the center of our celebration. But then finally, when the time comes, after we put out the decorations, after we've decluttered, we need to welcome him and receive him into our hearts and into our homes, into our families once again. And maybe for you, this is all new for you and, and Christmas might look different this year. Maybe for you, you're used to putting Jesus at the center and, and you'll be welcoming him into your life for the 50th time. But as we welcome him, as we receive him into our hearts and our lives and remember him once again, the proper response is worship. 
It's worship. To worship him with our hearts, to worship him with our heads, with our hands, with our time, with our energy. In all of the different ways, the proper response to Jesus' arrival is to worship because he is the honored guest. He is the one who is worthy of all praise, all glory, and all honor. And as we approach Christmas, one of the things that kind of is the climax for us as a church is our Christmas Eve worship. And this year we're going to have one service at 4 o'clock p.m. in here, and we're going to have communion, we're going to have candlelights, we're going to sing together. And one of the things I love on Christmas Eve services is when, when people come up, they receive communion, and then they kneel down here as individuals or as a family and kind of pray in Christmas together. Because on, on Christmas Eve, I don't know if you've ever sensed this, there, there's a sense of awe among people. A sense of reverence, a sense of, of holiness, that Jesus truly is worthy of our worship. And a lot of times I, I experience those feelings. But a lot of times mixed in there is a little sense of regret. A little sense like, you know what, maybe I, I pushed Jesus too much to the side during this last season. You know what, maybe I've, I've stumbled into Christmas once again. And a lot of times I wake up on December 26th and I wonder, huh, I wish things would have been different this year. Because I want things to be different for us as a church this morning, as we begin this Advent journey together, I want to invite you to do something a, a little different this morning. I want to invite you, as we sing our closing song, if you're able, to come forward this morning and to kneel up here at the altar or kneel around this manger and worship Jesus through prayer, through praise, maybe decluttering a little of your heart. I want to invite you to come forward and really dedicate the next four weeks of your life to him. Dedicate this Christmas season in your life to him. And now, can you pray in your seat? Yes, of course you can pray in your seat. Does God hear you more up here than over there? No, he doesn't. But there's something about coming and kneeling that signifies with our bodies that Jesus is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. Like the Magi, we can bow down before him and worship him. And so Oscar's gonna come up and he's gonna play some and, and lead our closing song. And during that time, um, I wanna invite you to come. I wanna invite you to come and pray. And it doesn't have to be long, but dedicate yourself and this season to Jesus this morning. So let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your son, Jesus the Christ. We thank you that he is the one who has gathered us here. We thank you that he is the one who forgives us, who cleanses us, who transforms us, and who has transformed our world. And God, we confess that it's easy to get off track during this time of the year. It's easy to push you and your son to the margins of our lives with the craziness of everything going on. But right now, this morning on December 1st, the first Sunday of Advent, we want to give this Advent season and this Christmas to you. 
So God, may this be our prayer. And may you hear the prayers of everyone as we come forward this morning. I invite you to stand, pray, and worship with us.